It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back here in the driver's seat, and guys, it's Friday show. You know exactly what that means. It is time for Fan Friday and Preview as Texas A&M returns to Kyle Field one more time this season to take on the South Carolina Gamecocks. A win improves them to 7-3, guaranteeing they will finish with an above 500 record for the second time in the Jimbo Fisher era. I mean, it's only been two years, but still, two years in a row where you finish above 500. Probably a good start of what you want exactly. And also, it gives them the motivation going into the final two games of the season where they could be taking on both top-ranked teams in number four Georgia and potentially for the third time this season a number one team in LSU. Guys, before we go any further, just remember to make sure you're following us on social media. There's three quick ways you can do it. One, go to Locked On Aggies at Locked On Aggies. You can always go to Aggies SI. And if you want to talk to me personally and just have a normal conversation and have a good morning and yay, how you doing? I want to talk about AM. I'm at Mr. Cole Thompson. And make sure you check out all of our great work at SI.com slash T-A-M-U. Aggie Maven and Sports Illustrated have partnered up with Locked On Podcast to create more multiverse AM content for you. So you got AM coverage. All around, you got it vocally, you got it visually, now you get it written, you get it all. And make sure you check out all of our other great podcasts, such as the Locked On College Football Podcast with two of my friends, Jonah Talls and Jordan Reed. Uh, all of them on LockedOnPodcast.com. It's Fan Friday, it's time for Asking Aggies. This is a little different, because usually I record these shows late at night, and then I'll post them early in the morning. Last night I was running a little bit behind, and then I got caught watching the Steelers-Browns game. And there's only one question that was asked to me on Asking Aggies when I posted it, and it's the one that we're going to talk a little bit about. And that is, this came from a buddy of mine named James, and James said, how long do you think Miles Garrett will be suspended? All right. For those of you who don't know what happened, there was eight seconds left in the fourth quarter of the Cleveland Browns game against Pittsburgh. Cleveland was up 21-7. It seemed like it would be an improbable comeback for Mason Rudolph and the Steelers to go ahead and try and pull off that victory. Rudolph delivers a pass to running back Trey Edmonds, who runs it upfield. Miles Garrett, former Texas A&M defensive end, brings down Rudolph well after the ball has been released. Now, depending on how you want to look at that, depending on how you want to see it looked, maybe he thought he had the ball. There's also some maybe some visual evidence that part of the frustration came from when Rudolph was trying to push him off of him because of there is evidence that shows that Rudolph's hand was potentially inside of Garrett's helmet, and maybe that's where the altercation started, but it didn't stop there. After that, the two of them got physical with each other, Garrett took off Rudolph's helmet. Rudolph did not like that. He then went back and started attacking Garrett, getting in his face, where Garrett then swung Rudolph's helmet into his head. It wasn't even a swing that was, oh, I'm going to swing the helmet. He struck him with his own helmet in the head. 
before eventually being brought down and pinned by David DeCastro and later kicked by Marquise Pouncey. It would lead to an entire massive brawl between the Browns and the Steelers with eight seconds left in the game. The game should have ended at about maybe 10-15 our time. It ended at 10-31 because of that's how long it took for this brawl to be separated, for the altercations to be done, for everyone to find out who was getting removed from the game, who was getting ejected. In the end, Garrett, Marquise Pouncey, and Brown's defensive tackle, Larry Ogunjobi, all were dismissed from the rest of the game. And now comes the repercussions of what to do with Miles Garrett. I know we like talking about college football, but when a player from Texas A&M is at the forehelm of this conversation, I think that this is a very important topic to bring up because we're looking at right now, potentially the best pass rusher in the NFL gets suspended. He's going to get suspended. Let's just get that out of the way. He will get suspended, but What is the ramifications of the suspension? How long is it going to be? What's it going to be? And I'm going to be blatantly honest. And some Aggie fans may not like that. Some Aggie fans may say that this is ridiculous. I don't care. When you strike a player with a blunt object, like a helmet, no matter who you are, no matter what happened beforehand, and that's visual documented evidence, your season's over. You're done. Miles Garrett needs to be suspended for the remainder of the season. And the reason why is because if we have looked at him this season transform into one of the game's best pass rushers. And I would like to see him continue his growth as a pass rusher. I think he is one of the most dominant, most spectacular, phenomenal talents we've ever seen. And in my personal opinion, I think he is the best player to ever come out of Texas A&M. I truly believe that. I think Von Miller's up there with him, and it's neck and neck for them right now. But I think right now, when it's all said and done, if Garrett can stay healthy and consistent, he will be the greatest Aggie to ever play in the NFL. But in week two, he was suspe- he was fined. for two late hits against Trevor Simeon, including a gruesome leg injury that ended his season on the field that night. That can't happen. You can't, I don't care what the heat of the moment is. Garrett came out and he he made a comment following the game. He said that it was out of line. You know, he let the emotions get the best of him. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, your ramifications now, one, could possibly cost you the remainder of your season. But two, you just possibly cost your team a playoff berth. This is a brand new Browns team. They could transform tomorrow and look like a playoff contender. And they need you as their defensive leader to step up and be that guy. And when you do actions like that, when you strike a player with a blunt object, you put a bad reputation, not just to your name, but to every name that represents you as well. And it's shameful. It's shameful that we have to have this conversation this morning. 
that we have to talk about Miles Garrett being a bad player because I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he's one of the nicer human beings in football. I think he's a humble player, and I very much have enjoyed watching him grow. But you really want to watch him grow, suspend him for the rest of the season, and not let him play it down. Let him be the reason, and let him think that maybe he could have been the cause of why Cleveland missed the playoffs. You're going to watch him transform his attitude real quick. And I mean quick. Anyone who from A&M who saw the play should be upset. I didn't even go to A&M. I just cover them, and I'm upset for Aggie fans. Because I know that this is not how anyone should represent the university. It's not how anyone should represent themselves, who calls themselves a graduate, who calls themselves a member of the program. And you know what? I get it where some people are coming from, where maybe Mason Rudolph edged him on. Be bigger than that. Be better than that. Because I truly believe Miles Garrett is better than that. And because of I think he's better than that, you got to punish him bad. So, to answer your question, James, and that'll be the only question on asking Aggies this week, I suspend him for the remainder of the season. Without pay, and that pay is his fine. You, whatever he was supposed to make the rest of the season, that goes right back to the NFL, and he's suspended for the rest of the year. Because he'll learn from this, and he will come back, and he will still be a dominant pass rusher, and he will be one of the best players in the, in the game. But you know what? You gotta learn the lesson the hard way. Speaking of learning lessons the hard way, the Aggies need to continue their dominance against South Carolina. South Carolina has come and played the Aggies five straight years in a row. A&M has walked away with five straight victories. Can they make it a six? We will discuss that right on the other side of this. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat. Hey guys, make sure you're checking out all of our great content on Sports Illustrated's Aggie Maven. There's more than just Locked On Aggies there. There's written content. There's video content. There's Locked On Aggies old episodes you can catch up on. You can come hang out with me some more. So make sure you're checking all that stuff out at si.com slash T-A-M-U. That's si.com slash T-A-M-U. There's going to be a lot of previews and conversations coming up about the game that we're about to discuss right now, and that is South Carolina versus Texas A&M. So why don't we look at some of the big things that we're going to expect from this game. And we got to start off with the big, big man himself and how the defense will contain Brian Edwards, the Gamecocks leading receiver. He just last week against Appalachian State became the all-time leading receiver for the school's history, passing Alshon Jeffrey. This is a six foot three behemoth of a human who has the ability to win with speed, but he's got brute power. When I look at him, I think of actually an Alshon Jeffries, a pretty good comp when you think about it, because if he has that speed, he has that ability to win upfield, he has that size that you want. And these AM defensive backs are going to have a little bit of a challenge here. I definitely think so, because of, in the growth of Ryan Holinsky, the quarterback, freshman, brother of Tyler Holinsky, who tragically passed away. There was a whole story on that, but more back to Edwards on this situation. They've grown enough to where we've seen him transform. And the biggest thing is that he, last year, could have gone pro, but he went back to school and got more reps because last year he was playing second fiddle to Debo Samuel, the speedy receiver now in San Francisco. 
now you have an opportunity to go up against this guy. And if you can shut him down, you're taking away one of the biggest reasons for South Carolina's offensive success. They're still dealing with a lot of injuries, but right now you're going to just have to look at what they've been able to do because of overall, you sh- it's one of those where I talk about in the past, you shut down a player's run game. You shut down a player's, um, a certain player's ability to extend plays. I don't think of when I think of Brian Helinski is a running quarterback. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's been really good running the ball when given him, given the opportunity, but he's a pocket passing quarterback. And so you're not going to have to worry about him. Like A&M had to worry about Bo Nix. Like they had to worry about John Reese Plumley. Like they had to worry about Garrett Schrader or even, um, even Lowell Narcisse, the quarterback for UTSA. You're not going against that kind of guy. You're instead going to go up against a guy who is going to win with his arm. And then on third and short, if he has to, he'll pick up the first, He'll pick up two yards, get that first down, keep drives alive. So that's going to be something I think that you're going to have to definitely look at. That's going to be, I think, the biggest key for AM's defense is containing Edwards because he has the ability to win in so many ways. And also, he right now looks to be the only true target with She Smith possibly missing time. If he misses this week, you literally only are going to have pretty much Edwards as your top target. If you don't... If you get him the ball and he gets to work downfield and just break up and break away, guess what? You're losing that battle. That is a tough battle to lose, and that puts a lot more pressure on your offense. Speaking of offense, Texas A&M, what to look for on the offensive side of the ball for them? I want to see a consistent run game. The past couple weeks, we've seen the massive success of guys such as Isaiah Spiller. We got to see Cordarian Richardson kind of mix his way in there against Mississippi State and UTSA. Well, for the Gamecocks, they have a first-round talent in the trenches, and that's Javon Kinlaw. He has the ability to disrupt a run game pretty quick, especially with a young offensive line or a younger with Kenyon Green probably seeing a majority of snaps against him. If he's not prepared to block him, that's going to open up that running hole. And now you're going to see what Spiller can do. I want to see Spiller break some tackles. I want to see him work to that second level of the defense and probably make an impact somewhere on the field outside of just on the ground on that one play. I think if they, if they can do that, that is one, a huge plus for the, for the program. And two, that's going to show the momentum because of this defensive line for South Carolina, I think is their best unit. And they're about to go up against two really good units in Georgia and LSU in the trenches. But you also want to see Kellen Mond look successful because the one thing that I've noticed is since the Alabama game, he's consistently gotten better at home. And with that confidence level, I think that's done wonders for him as well. Because now you're going back on the road. Because you got to remember, Alabama, he threw two touchdowns. They lost the game. They get their first win against Ole Miss in conference play. I mean, first win on the road, uh, second win in conference play. Then he looks fantastic against Mississippi State. And then last week, he had to play second fiddle 
two weeks ago. My apologies. He played second fiddle to Isaiah Spiller, but when he was on point, he was on point. He made a lot of good throws. He connected very well. He was doing a lot of good things right. I definitely think that that was something that when you look at, he's shown the growth and the improvement, especially with his foot, his foot, footwork and his pocket awareness. He's extending plays. He's not relying so much on his legs, but he still is able to run. But you want to see him continue that motivation because in these final two games of the season, that could decide where they sit and how good of a team they are. Guys, erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com locked to get a free online visit and a free two-day shipping. Remember, that promo code is GetRoman.com locked and get your erectile dysfunction taken care of today. We know we talk a lot about football and Locked on Aggies, but guess what? Basketball season is upon us, and the Aggies men's basketball team is sitting at 2-0 with a game tonight against Gonzaga at Reed Arena. We are going to preview that. We're going to give you our predictions and also some of the predictions around the SEC, as we always do every single week, including what will be the final score of Texas A&M versus South Carolina. Is it going to be close? Is it going to be a blowout? Who's to know? You don't want to go anywhere, but we will let you know in just a quick second. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Speaking of Texas A&M, Texas A&M Aggies basketball sitting at 2-0 under Buzz Williams heading into tonight's game against Gonzaga. Guys, this could be a very close game. It's going to be interesting to see how this team's dynamic is going to function with now this suspension of the indefinite suspension, my apologies, of TJ Starks. He is no longer part of the program right now. Starks was arrested early Thursday morning with possession of marijuana. The good news is that he hadn't played up to this point, so we're going to get to see how this team maybe counteracts knowing that they have this kind of background with them. Uh, maybe this this red flag, this black dot on their back, even though he hasn't been a part of the program actually in the building. One name to watch for tonight is going to be senior guard, power forward, however you want to call him. Josh Nebo finally returned to the roster against Louisiana Monroe earlier this week. Nebo suffered an injury during boot camp. Williams said that you had to complete your boot camp to be a part of the team. He did it on his own, working on top of working with the rest of the team, he was able to come back and make an impact last week, uh, last game against the Warhawks. He scored seven points, five total rebounds. That's going to be a guy that you're going to want to look at tonight. But I just think that the way Gonzaga has played in years past, they haven't really lost a lot. Even though they're not ranked right now, they're still, I think, a very good team. Going to be a close game, but I'm going to go in favor of Gonzaga. Buzz Williams has to suffer a loss at some point in his Aggie career. Let's make it tonight before you go start against your tournament play, before you go start your conference play. Give your team something to know where you can find some improvements. That's what I think I'm going to see tonight. But I'm going to go Gonzaga wins 78 over the Aggies to 68. Give it 10. Give it 10 points. I think that's a fair one. Now it's time for Around the SEC, where we give our SEC predictions, including Texas A&M and South Carolina, but we want to talk about the SEC as a whole. It is the best conference in college football, in my personal opinion. I think in everyone's opinion, if you win in the SEC, you know how to win. So why don't we take a look at some of the games that are going on this weekend. Starting off early, 11 o'clock kick, 
in Starkville, Mississippi, as the Alabama Crimson Tide, who suffered their first loss this past weekend to LSU, will take on the Bulldogs. Biggest storyline to watch here is how much will Tua Tagovailoa play. He wasn't at full strength following his knee injury that he suffered against Tennessee. When they played LSU, he still had a pretty good game, but the way that Mississippi State has looked right now, if the Aggies, if a Crimson Tide can get ahead, if they can make some noise early and maybe rely on Najee Harris or even the passing game of Devonta Smith, early touchdown Henry Ruggs, maybe at some point you can rest Tua for the remainder of the season because you don't need to play him that next week against Charleston Southern or whoever the heck they're playing. You need him more for Auburn. So I'm still going to say Alabama wins this one, but it's going to be a lot closer than people think, mainly because I think that they're going to rest Tua as much as possible. We head over to Columbia, Missouri, where the Florida Gators are taking on the Missouri Tigers. I've been very impressed with what I've seen from Kelly Bryant thus far. I think that he's been a pretty good quarterback. I also think Kyle Trask has done a fantastic job taking over for Felipe Franks. This is, I think, going to rely a lot more on the run game. Which running back is going to take that next step? And I'm going to go with LaMichael Pirine. I don't think that he's had the best season overall, but he did just accept his Senior Bowl invite, and that is going to be an area where I think that could do wonders for his draft stock. I also think that this could be a game where we see maybe... Maybe not Florida take that step in that direction, but more so we say, okay, well, you know what? We know that Florida can be competitive, and they probably are still one of the better teams in the SEC. Definitely one of the better teams in the SEC West. I'm going to go Florida gets the win over Missouri. Heading up to the plains of Auburn, where we see the Auburn Tigers taking on number four ranked Georgia. This is the game to watch of the week. I know everyone's going to want to watch A&M South Carolina, but guess what? You get to actually watch both because this game's on at 2.30 and South Carolina and A&M aren't on until 6.30. So you got plenty of time to watch both games if you're not going to Kyle Field. Overall, I want to see which quarterback is going to take that next step. Bo Nix has relied heavily on the run game, on the three-headed running back monster that he has out in Auburn, and I think the same thing can be said with Jake Fromm. I mean, you look at their numbers overall, both have only passed for, Jake Fromm's only passed for 1856, while Bo Nix has only passed for 1798. Their numbers in the passing game aren't that far off, so I want to see, can one of these two quarterbacks take that jump in the passing game and become a prevalent part of of what we can expect moving forward. I very much think this is going to go down to the wire, and this could go either way. You can coin flip it, but my gut right now is telling me that Georgia wants to be a 9-1 team when they face A&M. Because I think that A&M actually, I think, has a better chance of overall upsetting Georgia than I would say Auburn. So I'm going to go Georgia gets the road victory. They move on to 9-1 on the year. Auburn's chances officially of any go anywhere, any chance of getting into the college football playoff, that's automatically out. But also, so is their chance of possibly being in a New Year's Six Bowl. They're going to go instead to 7-3. and three. Going over to 
Nashville, Tennessee, where Kentucky will take on the Commodores. Guys, I'm just going to be honest. Lim Bowden Jr. is a freak of nature. I don't see anyone really stopping him on Vanderbilt's team. I like Riley Neal. I think that he's an okay quarterback. Keshawn Vaughn is a great running back, but this is just a game where I think it's just going to be a little too much of Lim Bowden kind of doing it all, whatever you want to call him. Call him an athlete. That's what I would say at this point because he's not a running back. He's also not a receiver, and he's definitely not a quarterback, but he can do it all. But I'm going to go easily. Big time on this one. I'm going to go. Kentucky at least wins double digits. We're going to go head over to Vaught-Hemingway Stadium in Oxford, Mississippi, where the undefeated LSU number one Tigers are taking on Ole Miss. This is easy. In my personal opinion, the best game LSU is going to see the remainder of the year is going to be when Texas A&M plays them. And that is if Texas A&M can continue to be the team that we've seen over these past several weeks. If they can be that team... I see AM definitely giving them a run for the money. I don't see it with LSU. I just don't. I mean, o- o- Ole Miss. I just don't see it with Ole Miss. I, you know, John Reese Pumley, I've been very impressed with him, what he's able to do with his legs, but he's a one dynamic quarterback where you have a dynamic quarterback in Joe Burrow and a great run game uh, out, out in the bayou. The defense has looked great overall. I cannot see how you don't pick LSU to win big in this one. Which brings us to the game that you all have been waiting to talk about, and that would be Texas A&M's final home game at Kyle Field against South Carolina. Big things that I'm looking for, of course, is stopping Brian Edwards on offense. It's going to be how well can the run game uh, go up the middle? Are they going to be able to get that second and third line? This is going to be a lot closer than I think we've seen in years past. Last year, it was 26-23, and you could expect similar results. I could see Kellen Mond, throwing for 375 yards, 300, 400 yards, scoring five touchdowns. But if the defense allows Edwards to get open, you could also see this becoming a shootout. I instead think it's going to be a very low-scoring game overall. I'm not going to be blown back by who does what. It's more so who can win in the final moments. And this is going to be my player of the game, my prediction of the game, Sophomore kicker Seth Small is the reason Texas A&M pulls out at least the spread. They're going to win by 10. I'm going to go Texas A&M gets a 31-20 to victory over South Carolina. Book it now. 31-20 to victory. Seth Small, the hero, definitely makes it. A, gets two kicks in there. Gives the Aggies. 7-3 victory. They're going to finish with at least an above 500 record for the second time in the Jimbo Fisher era. And we will be able to talk about all that next Monday on Locked on Aggies. So, guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. You can also follow Aggie Maven, which is partnered with the Locked on Podcast Network at Aggies SI. Check out all of our great content at si.com slash T-A-M-U. And for more great college football podcasting you got so many teams out there you got Penn State you got Alabama you got LSU you got Oregon I think I know they're on their way but they, they I know they're coming you got Missouri you got college football with my boys Jonah Talls and Jordan Reed go check out the podcasting at lockedonpodcast.com we'll be back Monday to discuss what went right and hopefully what didn't go wrong 
up in Kyle Field this weekend. Hopefully AM pulls out another victory, but we're going to discuss all that come Monday. So we will see you then, Aggie fans. And remember, gig them, y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.